there were those sleepless nights of thinking, okay, I did grow my baby up and I'd have to have like hard talks with myself and be like, stop being crazy. Like you can sell this and you can do this again. Like this is not define me. Life does not just all of a sudden stop. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and you guys are in for a treat. We're back in the... Yeah. Are you in Georgia, Joey? Where are you? I'm in Austin, Texas. You're in Austin, Texas. So I'm confused because she's got a business partner who's in the Atlanta area. And he was like, look, man, if you're going to have anybody on this show to talk about exits, you've got to get my partner, Joey Roberts, on. And I was like, well, do they live down the street? Because like when he started his business, like his Amazon business, he started with his partner, like next door neighbor. And so I guess he's expanded a little bit and we're still down in the South. So Joey, welcome to the podcast. I'm so grateful to have you on. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled to be here. So we were chatting and you were like, yeah, no drama, no nothing. So how did you, well, first let's talk about the business. So you built a business in like 10 months and then exited. Is that I, real? That is real. Yes. I went from zero to about a million dollars in sales, mostly selling on Amazon. I did have a website, but yeah, most of that million dollars was sold through Amazon. And then by the time I hit my 12 month, my year mark, it was close to like 1.2 million in sales with Amazon and a little bit on my Shopify site. What are you selling? I was selling outdoor recreational products. Yeah, I had... I'm actually from the people I sold it to. They they made me sign something saying I wouldn't exactly say what I was selling. So I won't tell you that business. Right now, I still sell it. I'm happy to tell you all about that. But the business I sold, yeah, it was like outdoor recreational products. And it was a great time to be selling those products because it was 2021, a little bit into 2022, which was like the tail end of COVID when people were still finding ways to have fun outside. I mean, people still do. This product still sell well, but I feel like like I capitalized on on the COVID opportunity. Okay. So people are going on Amazon. They're buying stuff from you. How did you even learn how to sell on Amazon? I wanted to sell on Amazon. I didn't know how to, and I didn't want to waste time figuring out how to sell. So I actually got a mentor, which was Jamie Davidson, who's now my business partner. I Googled top Amazon sellers and Jamie came up as a top 100 seller. And I was like, okay, cool. I found the like OGs of the Amazon world. Now who's going to teach me? And Jamie had a coaching program called AMZ Insiders. And I applied for it and I joined the program. And that's really why I think I grew from zero to a million so quickly because I wasn't spending a ton of time making mistakes. I made plenty of mistakes, but I had people who knew what they were doing guide me. So what were you doing before that? So before that and now still, I, well, way before, I served 16 years in the corporate world. I had amazing corporate jobs. I mean, I killed it working in the corporate world. I was an awesome employee. I was in the corporate world. And then in 2014, I decided I wasn't going to make other people money. And I was going to poach some clients from my corporate job and go off on my own and start my own business. And to this day, I still own 3D Walls by Design. It's a commercial wallpaper company where I design and install beautiful artwork on walls of commercial buildings in mostly in Austin, Texas. Wow. So you were an interior designer? Like, yeah, it, 
Right. So it kind of falls more into like marketing and branding. And that's where, but yes, I do have like an interior design license, but I was working for Getty Images and which is like a image company. I was working with Getty Images and I was also working with a fine art publishing company at the time called New Era Portfolio. So I was their VP of marketing and sales. And I thought, you know what? I can do all this by myself. I can have clients pay me. I can get a printer. I can get designers. I can come up with marketing and branding for companies. So some of the companies I've done in Austin, I got to do Under Armour headquarters. I did Austin Energies building, care.com. I've got, I've got some cool projects. Okay. All right. You're the prototype because we find that founders have like seven exits and the first one is leaving corporate America. You, you get go to good school, you get a good job, you realize that you're climbing the wrong ladder, you figure out how you're going to go do it on your own. Some people just build their own thing. Some people it's start selling something that somebody else makes. Some people it's whatever, right? But there's a thing. And so then you go into being the person who's chief everything officer, and then you elevate to the next level, and then the next level, next level. And then eventually, if you do it right, you can sell it. Right. And it sounds like you made a pivot and started doing the Amazon stuff in addition to or in lieu of the first thing you started. So let's can we unpack that a little bit? Yeah. And exactly what you just said was where I wanted to go with being able to sell it. Right. So with my wallpaper business, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to scale. I'm going to sell. Well, at some point in that journey, even today, because I still own it, I realized. I wasn't building something to sell. It was not my first four years of doing it. I made a lot of mistakes and I was focusing on building the business. And then once I had it dialed in, it hit me maybe like four or five years in. I'm like, nobody's going to buy this because they'd be buying me. And then I would still be working for them. And then I would go back to being somebody's employee, which is exactly what I'm not going to do. So yeah, you very perceptive there. So I had to pivot. Okay. And so... How did you manage being CEO of two different companies that, I mean, a million dollars, I don't know if you can drop ship a million dollars. I don't know a ton about Amazon. So like, how do you become CEO of two companies? Like, how do you manage that on a daily basis? Yeah, like not very well. No. (laughs) So I really excel with time management skills and kind of the way you started off saying like, no drama, no BS, you really got to cut out the clutter. And when you can, and plus I'm a mom and I have a five-year-old and I'm a wife and I have friends. I, you know, so I do have like that whole other life outside of working. So with the wallpaper company, COVID hit and there was no buildings being outfitted. So I kind of had this moment of, hey, I had just finished a big project in March at a company called HCI. It's like a five-story building. So like I had a good payday from that project and then all the buildings got shut down. And I thought, oh, they're just going to be shut down for like three or four months. And I thought, all right, this is a great time to revisit my goal of wanting to sell on Amazon and build something that I can actually sell to somebody where my wallpaper company, I realized I couldn't. So that was kind of my head start was wallpaper stopped and I was able to focus on what I was going to sell on Amazon, how I was going to sell it. And then the buildings did open back up. And now I'm like $500,000 in, not that I spent, but I'm, I think I was like one of like four months in making close to $500,000. And then the wallpaper stuff came back. And I was not balancing it well at all because it was like everything in the wallpaper was a rush. And with my Amazon business, I now had employees and I was building this business way too quickly. I mean, it was taking off way too fast. So I had mouths to feed on one side and then I had the installers and my designers and everybody hungry and clients I had to fulfill. So I was all over the place and companies that had nothing to do with each other and nobody. One thing I was very careful about was to never tell anything going on at either one of the companies what I was really doing in the mornings or in the afternoon. And I was trying to be very even the UPS guy was like, wait, there's stuff coming in for wallpaper. There's stuff going out for this recreational company. Like, what's going on here? I was like, don't ask questions. So you had a building 
like a warehouse office? Like where was the, I mean, come on, those things are not small. I don't know exactly what product you were selling on Amazon. Right. So for the Amazon stuff, it was private label. So I got my own products and you put your brand on them and then you sell them and you can buy them out of China and you can just sell them on Amazon. Well, I didn't do that. I bought pieces and parts from China and I had them shipped to Austin, Texas. And I had a small workshop and I had hired guys basically off of like Craigslist to come in and modify the product. I'm talking like me with a stopwatch being like, okay, you have 15 minutes to make this product, alter it and make like, you know, 20 an hour between two people and get it in the box. And then we're going to wrap it up and either ship it to the customer or needs to go back to Amazon to be sold. See, I was like running a tight operation that was just taking on a life of its own. And then you're trying to hire more employees. And when you hire people, it just causes more problems, more money, money, more problems. So did you ever hire like a manager of the people who were doing the production? I hope so. Tried. I tried. Yeah. Yes. There were managers and people come coming in and out to help and help scale the business. Inventory was an issue. I kept running out of inventory and I kept overselling. So that would cause a ripple through the manufacturing side of the, the people who were coming in to modify the products and they were getting overwhelmed and it it was getting stressful. So yeah, it was it was a wild ride. I learned a lot. I didn't really know what I was doing because it was my first year selling on Amazon and then blowing it out of the water, which looking back, I could have slowed the sales and I should have slowed sales. I was just so impressed with my skills to sell so much. That I just kept VP going. of marketing. Here we go. <laughs> right. Right. So did you sell it out of frustration or you sold it because you saw a really good opportunity? Uh, both, actually. By the end of like almost like the 10 months when it was kind of right, like right after Christmas, like you have this big boom on Amazon when you're a seller of Christmas because it good for gifts, right? Everyone's shopping on Amazon for gifts. And then after Christmas, I feel like everybody kind of gets like a little bit of a break to think about stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to scale. I'm going to move into Australia. I can go to New Zealand. I'm going to launch on the Walmart platform. I'm going to maybe sell in stores. Like I had the the big picture, right? I was like, I'm going to do this. But I was also just kind of ready to sell and get out. So it's like both sides of it. And I thought, well, and also the manufacturing side of it was also a little bit in turmoil. Machines were breaking, things weren't working very well. And so there was frustration over there for change. And I thought, well, does it hurt to put your company for sale? That was really the thought I had. Like, does it hurt if I put this up for sale and see what somebody would want it for? And I'd already proven I could sell. I thought, well, what if I sell this, I get money, and then I can just rebuild this with products that I have a little bit more attachment to that I want to sell, which is, I'll tell you in a bit, but like, which is what I do now. I sell products I like selling. Um, So that's kind of it. I put it, I was like, what if somebody wants to buy this? Like, that would be cool. It's a growing business and it has so much potential. So that's really the whole, okay, I'm going to put it up for sale. What was your first exposure to somebody selling a business? Because most people don't know that you can do that. Yeah. Good question. I think through my corporate life, I watched companies I worked for get bought and sold all the time. And those were on larger scales. And I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. And then my dad built and sold a business when I was like later in high school. And then I watched my brother. My brother got into turnaround venture capital. And I watched my brother at a young age of like 29 sell his first business. And I didn't really comprehend exactly what that meant. I knew it was money, but I didn't understand the intricacies of what complications it brings into your life and and just everything that happens. And so I watched my brother probably for like a solid five, six years navigating this world of he sold a company, he got a lot of attention for it. And then he partnered with other people and bought and sold more businesses. But I didn't really think, oh, I'm going to do it. But that was my exposure to it. I I love that. 
I think it's really rare. It was interesting when I, we were talking to Jamie on a few episodes ago, and he was talking about his experience being a, in venture capital, but being the operator for the capital company instead of like being the owner and seeing the exposure or having the exposure to going in, knowing that we're going to sell it and like not having the attachment. There's so many people that build things with passion and mm -hmm. this is my thing. And now it's their baby. And even though it's frustrating, like it cries in the middle of the night and it needs diapers and all yes. of this stuff, like they still love it. Right. And they do things that other people don't want to deal with because the buyer of most businesses wants something that works by itself. They want the adolescent. They don't want the infant. You know? Yes, they do. There were definite parts that I got attached to. And I had to remind myself, like, I love the marketing part of it. Like, I love marketing luxury products. I, I like marketing to people. But when I was coming time to when I put it up and I was thinking, hey, somebody might actually buy this. There were parts of me that was like, wait, what if I just kept this portion and I sold the rest and I could keep this? I had to give myself a check all the time. It's like, hey, you can rebuild this. You can do this again. This is not the rest. This doesn't define me like I can do this again. But there were those sleepless nights of thinking, OK, I did grow my baby up and I'd have to have like hard talks with myself and be like, stop being crazy. Like you can sell this and you can do this again. Like this is not define me. Life does not just all of a sudden stop. With guys, I, well, with girls, I say, hey, there's more to life than being the varsity cheerleading captain or the, <laughs> the football quarterback. Here's where like, don't let that be the crowning achievement of your life. So Okay. You pay for mentorship or education or guidance or whatever you want to call it. When you got into the business, did you have somebody guiding you through the sales process? You ask questions and you watch videos, but you really have to look at it as like, this is my own business and I have to make my decision. So it's like you gather as much information and go for it. And I focus more on my life of keeping momentum going. And knowing enough to get by and trusting that I will solve my problems. So that's really how I learned the sales. There, there were mistakes. Amazon got mad at me. I had at one point like, you know, a bad health score on Amazon and you worry you're going to get shut down and things happen. But it was more important to me to just keep pushing forward, keep my sales going and fix everything as I went. And man, I got myself into some like deep waters that I had to pull myself out of for sure. Ouch. So what were three things that you feel went really well with yourself? I think my product launch went really well. I think I launched on Amazon and the website with enough marketing, but I didn't go overboard. I picked what I wanted to win at and I wanted to win at Father's Day because I thought my product was something every single dad should have. And that was, in my head, that was my Super Bowl. I'm like, I'm, I launched the company in March. I was like, June is coming. That is going to be my Father's Day, my Super Bowl. So I did really well at the marketing for Father's Day. And on the flip side, what I did really poorly was not have enough inventory. So I ran out of inventory a week before Father's Day. So let's, let's unpack that because I think launches are really cool. So for the product that you were selling, like is launch ads, is launch emails? Like what does launch mean in your Yeah, launch, if you have an email list, I really didn't at the time, but if you have an email list, that would be phenomenal. But so a launch for Amazon is getting your keywords, because Amazon is based off of keywords. So getting your keywords in your listing, getting Amazon ads set up to target your keywords when people search on Amazon for Father's Day gifts. And then you want your product to pop right up to first, second, third position. And from outside of Amazon, I did Google ads, Facebook ads, some YouTube posts, and a little bit of, of Instagram. And that was really it. And that was really my beautiful orchestra of launching. It sounds, I'm making it sound simple. You really have to put the branding and the thought into it. 
basically around how people shop, not what your product is, but gifts for dad or, you know, dads and grads, whatever keywords come up. And in that you can do with a little bit of research. There's outside tools, or you can even just research typing stuff into the search bar on Amazon. Like if you put in Father's Day and see like what terms come up in the search bar, like when you're shopping, those are words you want to win at because somebody's going to click on that and you want your product right there. And so was the ads on the different platforms part of your education program is like, or did you figure that out? Because I found like agencies are usually only good at like one of those. And right. so like the Google person usually isn't good at Facebook and the Facebook person isn't good at the Amazon stuff. And so it's just like, did you have to go in and learn each one of those on your own or were you able to? That's a good agencies? question. Yeah, that's a good point. You're right. Because like agencies, it's like, oh, no, we only do Facebook ads. We don't do Google. So, yes, in the program, I watched the videos several times and I also went to every single live training that was on Monday night. So it wasn't necessarily like a step by step. This is how you set up your Facebook ads. This is how you do Google ads. But a reoccurring theme of guest speakers or any of the product launch was you need to have your keywords dialed in on Amazon with your listing and your ads. And then it was saying you need outside traffic coming in. And it would say social media. And there's kind of like a little bit of Google ads helps. And kind of the point like you and I were talking about earlier, I wanted to do everything I could to just keep the momentum going. And I knew if I was spending too much on Facebook ads or Google ads, I could just turn it off. But I was going to just give it a shot. I wasn't necessarily an expert of how to do it, but I was like, I could figure this out. Other people do it. I can do it. I love that because you're taking initiative. You're not waiting for somebody else to tell you it's okay. You're not looking for somebody to give you the big break. It's like the opportunity is here. Let me play with the toys. Um, yeah. So momentum, 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 momentum seems to be part of the re the theme here. Momentum in the wallpaper thing, growing momentum in Amazon. And then it sounds like even when you got to the place of exiting, like there was a momentum piece there, like to keep the deal moving forward. Now, before we started recording, we talked about like the different ways you can exit on Amazon, like who the buyers are. And you chose a strategic buyer instead of an aggregator. Is that right? Yes. And when I was kind of throwing it out there to even Jamie Davidson, my mentor, and just other people I knew in the Amazon world, like, hey, I'm going to sell my business. Everybody's like, ooh, I'm going to introduce you to this aggregator. And these people are paying eight times in you can have this massive exit. So I thought, okay, you know what? I will talk to these aggregators. And I talked to one or two. And first, they want to rebuild your whole portfolio. And I'm like, look, I'm like at a million dollars in sales. And yeah, it was a short period. But I was like, what are we rebuilding here? Right? What? Like, it's only like 10 months at the moment. There's, there's, I don't need a whole presentation. Like, I'm the presentation. So I thought, eh. You know, and sometimes... I just felt small. I was kind of like, that's awesome. You guys would invest your time in this. I'm like, but by the time the six months go by that you've rebuilt, I'm going to be past $2 million and like, I may just keep the company. So that was really why I thought, I'm just going to try to privately sell this. I didn't turn down the aggregators. I kept, you know, chit chatting with them. Well, I figured out, hey, what if I just put the word out other ways that, I want to sell this business and see how that goes. And so how did, which way worked? Like, how did you get your business in front of the people who actually closed? Because you said it's like dating, which I, I thought was hilarious earlier. Like you're, you went on a date with these people. You're like, I don't like that. I don't want to have a second date. And then maybe you got a little bit further with the next people. But I think you told me that the first LOI wasn't the first person that wasn't actually the person that you did a deal with. Yeah, the first LOI I got, like somebody with intent to buy, you get all excited and it's like the best first date ever and you want to tell everybody about it. You're like, this is awesome. We're going to live happily ever after. And then a couple of days go by, you don't hear from them or they ask a weird question or a funny text. 
you're like, man. And then you're like, ah, I'm going to keep dating. I'm going to keep seeing if somebody wants to buy this. So then you talk to somebody else and then you get excited about them and you roll out the red carpet. You, you know, you shower and you clean up the place and you mop everything and you make the products look all shiny. And the next person comes in and you're like, yes, you're it. I'm going to marry you and I'm going to sell you my business and maybe I'll even work for you. Like your mind starts going in this, like, you know, excitement place. And then it's like an emotional roller coaster is like up and down, up and down. And it dragged out. I think by the time there was like an actual buyer, it dragged out a long time to where you're kind of going back and forth. And it's a little bit exhausting to where you're like, do I really want to sell this? Should I keep it? Okay, but then I'm just going to have to go through this again. Should I have gone with the aggregate? There's a lot of second guessing yourself. It's not as it's glamorous when it's all said and done, I guess. But the process of going through it is and plus you're still running a company like you still have the same problems. And now you're trying to make this company look really shiny with your P&Ls. And it's like you don't want to spend any money. You don't want to buy inventory or do you like it's very crazy. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. So we call, I call that, we call that deal fatigue, right? You're, you're going through the deal and you're like, ah, I don't know, like, it would be so much easier if I didn't have anybody else to pay attention to. Like I could just do what I want to do and yes. got these constraints and restraints. And you don't want people to pop up and say, oh, yeah, well, it's worth less now because of this or it's worth less now because of that. It's like, no, it's not like, come on, let's let's do the deal. So I find and I'm, I might be wrong on this. You, you've been through it so you could tell me. But I think I, what I find is that people who exit they go on this roller coaster and everybody's focused on like the organism of the business and how can you extract as much value from the business as possible? And there's like a whole person over here who nobody is paying attention to is getting beat up with the roller coaster of the ups and downs. And they don't even know what they're getting into more often than not. It's part of the reason why we started the podcast and started talking, having this conversation is because I think I want people, I really want people to know what they're getting into because after, and we'll, we'll go into this later, but after you get the check, there's a realization that happens. And so did you know that this was coming? Like you saw your dad do it. You saw your brother doing it. You had Jamie in the corner, but did you know like the roller coaster was coming? Did you know that you're going to have to kiss frogs until you actually found your prince? Like talk to me. No, nothing can prepare you. And other people can tell you their stories and it might be a good story or a bad story or an up and down thing, but you don't really know until it's your story and you're going through it. And then you're like, hey, why didn't anybody tell me that this was so insane and talk me out of this? Tell me to keep my business or, hey, do you want to buy it with me? Maybe I could partner. Like, yeah, you kind of go a little like crazy in your head. And I was constantly having to rein my thoughts back in and be like, I am going to continue the momentum as we've been talking through this podcast, like continue the momentum forward to see what's on the other side with this sale. Because if I just keep the business and sometimes actually when I was telling people about the company and why they should buy it, I was talking myself into keeping it. I was like, maybe maybe I should keep this like this person isn't really seeing why it's so amazing. And then they give an offer and sometimes your mind goes a little like out there too on what you think the offer might be. Cause it's like, you have yeah. your asking price and then you have two or three people interested. So you think it's like selling a house. You're like, am I going to get a bidding war? Is everybody going to want my house? And then to your point, they're picking apart 
every tiny part of your business. And you're like, hey, that's really rude. Like, I told you why that happened. Like, my baby's not ugly. (laughs) (laughs) She's so pretty. Can't you see? We just need to brush her hair. So, okay. So did you have support or like it was it's really interesting. You talk to yourself a lot. You say, you know, I had to have a really tough conversation with myself. Like you said it like three times along the way. Yeah. Is it just like, do you just rely on you or did you have somebody going with you on the journey? Because who'd already walked down the path. Right. Yes. You know, I had my husband to talk to, but he traveled a lot and he had his own jobs. This was not his company. This was not his job. And when he was in town, not and he traveled a lot, he still does. When he was in town, I would kind of talk his ear off on it. And so I had him and his support. And then I did talk to Jamie, who was my mentor at the time. But one thing about talking to people when you're going through these emotional roller coasters is I was very careful. Like, I, yes, I could pick up the phone and call my brother who had been through it. And I did. And I would give him a little bit of info. You got to be ready to receive their response. And I was not in the in a position with, I think, my brother and my dad at that point to really want to hear their opinion. And that 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 was a hard part. I can listen to it now and talk to it now that it's all said and done. But it was really hard for me at the time to reach out to my dad and my brother who I know had been through this. Tell me more. This is very interesting. And the first time I've actually heard somebody talk about that, the readiness to hear the feedback from somebody who's already been through it, it can be harsh. I suspect it might have been not what you expected to hear or it didn't feel supportive. So walk walk me down that journey. Yeah. And some of it is just fear of the response. Like I'm it's like if you're going to ask a question, you got to be ready for an answer. And I think the path I was walking down with selling the business was the first time I'd been through it. It was getting complicated. And I felt like I knew I wanted to sell it. I knew how I wanted it to go. And I really just wanted somebody to side with me and say, yes, that's what you should do. And I feel like opening it up to my brother or my dad, who did have more experience than me, would kind of, I don't know, not necessarily like change the way I thought, but make me make me feel bad for lack of a better way, hurt my feelings or unvalidate what I wanted to feel validated for. And there's also this weird thing when it's your business, like it was a hundred percent mine. My decision did not impact my husband. It did not impact my brother or my dad. I mean, sure, it impacted my husband because we live together and we're married, but it was like we have, you know, it was a boundary. Like he was not really part of that business. So it, even though like, you know, he reaped the benefits of the money and I was making a paycheck while I worked there too. So, so like I, I was making that money and I knew there was more money coming in once I sold it. But yeah, it was really that vulnerability that I just wasn't ready to open up. I don't know why I just wasn't. Well, I know why I think many of us you you got it from all angles, right? You got the people who don't know, who are trying to devalue your business, telling you all the reasons why it should be devalued. And you're like, no, that's not why. It's all explainable. You're blaming. It's almost mommy guilt, right? It's like, I, yeah. the baby, no, they didn't fall and scrape there. And I didn't push them down like they fell down. Like it, it's all this stuff, right? And then if you get somebody else coming and they're not on your side, then it just makes you question whether or not you were doing what you should be doing anyway, right? Like you you want people on your team and you're not sure if they're going to be on your team. And sometimes I think for everybody, we want to be validated in some way. And I mean, you said those exact words and you know that you live with them for a long time, right? You know that your brother, your dad, may not see the world the way you see the world and you didn't you weren't you weren't ready for or open to being told that you were wrong you wanted and i think there's probably a little bit of you wanted to do it on your own yes and i like to process things and be really clear in my decision and what i wanted to do and i was feeling pulled in so many different directions that i wasn't taking time 
to, or I, did, I don't know, I, I didn't process exactly what it was I wanted, but I was also getting in that panic mode of, okay, I just need this to be done. I need to be through this. I need my life back. I need to be on the other side. And I would tell myself, I will be on the other side of this. Like this does not last forever, but it drags on longer than you think, right? Somebody doesn't just call you and say, hey, I'm going to give you, you know, several million for your business, sign here on the papers and I'll wire you the money. Okay, thanks. Bye. Like, never. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> not a thing. Okay. So you get the check in your hand. Was it the biggest check you ever got in your life? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And so it's funny you say definitely after having the process through that. I'm like, I hope this is, the, she's really, really, really well off if not. So you get the big check and then what? Did you find that it solved all the things? Was it the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow with the unicorns and everything like you thought it would be? <laughs> yeah, there there wasn't a unicorn. I was like, all my childhood dreams, there's not a unicorn. Yeah, I got the check and I remember walking my dog. I was like standing on the corner and my thoughts were just clear. And it occurred to me that I was not thinking about that business where the last, you know, 12 months of my life, all I kind of lived and breathed was how am I going to accomplish X, Y, and Z and these problems around that specific company. And there was just this weird, like, what am I going to think about? Like, what's going on in my head? Where are my thoughts going? And so clarity, was there anything on the negative side or what most people would classify as negative? Like that I shouldn't have sold it. There was a little bit of talk to myself of, I mean, through the selling process. And I mean, sometimes even today, it's not like I sold it that long ago, where I have to remind myself that like, I'll sit there and be like, oh, well, maybe I could buy a portion of it back. Like the stuff I really liked, maybe I could get those products back. Like, no, just push forward. That chapter has closed and remind myself, I can do this again. I can sell more products. I can rebuild. I I have the skills and now I have a lot of confidence since I, I did exit a business already. Yeah, I talk to myself. I still have those thoughts creep in. Yeah, there's this funny statistic out there that like 75% of people that sell their businesses regret it. And I, it's almost as high as people who get divorces. But what I think is really interesting is a lot of people are asking, well, what was it all for? And is this really it? And then the infamous, what now? Right. So what was your what now? Did you already have the answer? Yes and no and yes. I knew that I wanted to write a book that I had been wanting to write, but was too busy. So, and I kept that in my head. I'm like, is when I sell this, there's a couple projects I want to complete. And when I was standing on that street corner with my dog and my head was open, I thought I need to go write that book right now. And, you know, I'm all about, I thought I had the thought and it was something I wanted to do. And I had told people and I had told Jamie, I think we'd had, you know, I'd had a mimosa or two and I admitted I wanted to write this book. And he's like, you need to get that done. I was like, I just said it. Now I have to make it happen. So the first thing I did was I took two weeks, two, three weeks to do a self-published book. So it's like a KDP where you self-publish on Amazon. And I wanted just to learn how to do it. And I wrote this book on IVF, on infertility. Because it took me like nine rounds of infertility to go, or I should say nine rounds of fertility treatments to have my son. So that was the first thing I did was like, I need to write this book and get this up on Amazon. And that gave me, you know, it kept me busy. And I had money because I just had the exit. So I had money to spend on the cover and to to do the book the way that I wanted to. And so that was super cool. So I got that going and that kept me not like not as busy as it was running a company. It's very lonely when you're just like putting a book together by yourself, but it kept me busy and going. At least you didn't have to do it on a tablet with the chisel and <laughs> in a cave. Handwrite it. <laughs> put it on a tablet. So, you know, I make the joke, but you 
wrote about something that I think so many women are either terrified of, of or like they go through it and they end up being pretty brave and courageous with, hey, it might be happening and didn't happen and all of the emotions that go with that roller coaster. What I find, and it's really cool that you did this, is that's where people actually find their new self when they start talking about the things that they're really excited about, the things that they probably can't do for money or wouldn't do for money or wouldn't pay them as well as the thing that they've been doing. So I think that's really cool. Have you gotten any reviews or any feedback on the book? Like did, or was it just for you to like a cleanse? Yeah, I sold. I didn't market it super crazy because I moved into kind of the whole selling on the Amazon world and coaching. But yeah, I have sold over a hundred copies of it and I have reviews on it. It's called Nothing in the Oven. Joey Roberts. Yeah, it was really, it was very therapeutic too. It kind of helped me just heal through everything I'd been through with infertility. And also I felt like it was just letting me know I can accomplish other things besides just building that one crazy business. So it was, it was very healing to do that and know, hey, you know what? I did this on my own and I want to sell it. I'm not, I didn't go on a book tour or do any crazy stuff. But I did kind of have a vision of maybe I would. And so I started selling fertility products on Amazon. So that's what I sell now is like a bunch of different fertility products. And I want to launch a supplement like a a progesterone cream this year. And so I want to continue my store on fertility, which is the first time I'll be selling products that are like mean a lot to me and things that that I used and that I'm passionate about so what's really cool about this is because early on i said you're a prototype and now like you're putting the bow on top because people getting to the thing and helping solve the problem that they really want to eradicate or like super passionate about on the backside of the exit we call it a pill right profits invested for lasting legacy like you're helping get rid of this issue you're helping solve this problem for people And I think that actually leads to fulfillment, right? There's one thing to get financial freedom. There's one thing to have money, prosperity. It's something completely different when you're actually going out and changing the lives. Tens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people, right? And that's exactly what it sounds like you're doing. So I am so excited for you finding your way there and It's really interesting that you did it because most people have a really hard time making this journey. And some people end up like imploding, right? It gets really ugly when they get to the place of, I got the check. I I just won the lottery for all intents and purposes. What do I do with all this energy and effort that I've been putting in for the past insert time frame? For you, it was 12 months. But like, imagine if you'd done that for 12 years How much of that would have been baked into your identity? How much of that would have been, you know, core to the way that you operate on a daily basis? And if you didn't have a place to put that stuff, there's a ton of collateral damage that happened. Do you feel like, even though we, it's a really happy, do you feel like you had an existential crisis on the backside of your No, I feel like I had a bunch of little tiny crisis, like, bunch of little emergencies and like quick fixes in my head. I also started when I finished the book and got a couple of my products up on Amazon. I also started coaching with Jamie at AMZ Insiders to kind of give back to the community that helped build me. And I kind of have this like crisis of I'm not selling and marketing my own Amazon store as aggressive as I did to go from zero to a million. And I also don't have it in me right now to do that. I don't want to do that. And so that feels weird because once you go through one exit, it's like, oh, aren't you just going to rebuild it and do that again? So I'm like, no, I have to really think, okay, I want to keep this, you know, fertility products and keep this going because I want to sell on Amazon. Like I really love selling on Amazon and I do like making the money too. Let's not forget about the money. The money is important. And then coaching. And so now I'm coaching with Jamie. I started, so I exited in March, launched my book in April. 
end of April, launched the book and then launched a couple of fertility products. And so in May and June, I started coaching for AMZ Insiders. And so now I'm like doing a bunch of things and I have my wallpaper company. So I'm like, well, what am I really doing here? Like, who is Joey? Right? Like, what am I? Who am I? And where is this boat going? <laughs> like, what's happening? And do I want to do any of this? Maybe I just want to work out and like walk my dog and play with my kid. Like, what am I doing? Hang out with him too. <laughs> yeah, when he's home. So that's really, that's like, that's cool because like self-image, like we redefine ourselves every time we do one of those exes, right? We talked about the seven early on. And so you became a new person when you started your wallpaper company. And then you had to become a new person again when you started selling on Amazon. And then when you exited, you became a new person. Like this, the perpetual reinvention of ourselves to help us get to whatever that North Star is that is out there. But the one message that just rings true over and over again is you kept moving, right? There wasn't ever a point where you got stuck in the quicksand. There wasn't a point where you, at least that I heard, where it was paralysis by analysis. There, there, there was none of that for you. It was just, I'm going to keep making progress. I know the general direction. I'm directionally correct. Let me just keep going. And then once I get there, if I get stuck, I'll ask questions. I'll refine if I want to actually hear the answer. And I think that is the magic, right? You got to be willing to hear the answer because nobody likes ask holes, right? People who just ask yeah. for feedback. And then they don't go do the thing that they got the feedback on. Oh my gosh, this this was this ended up being way more. I didn't know the fertility part, and so like when I was listening to stuff before we jumped on, I didn't hear that. And so for you to come share that with us and how you're focusing on solving that problem for women who are just like you, it's just phenomenal. And I am so grateful that you shared that with our audience and that you've been so generous with your time today. So two questions for you to kind of wrap this thing up. One, so you're in this new phase of life. I know that you said you're coaching with Jamie, which means you're, you guys have a coaching company. You're coaching people who are Amazon sellers. You pay for mentorship early on. Do you still have a coach now? Are you in masterminds? Like, what are you doing in order to help go to that next level, be redefined, et cetera? Yes, always pushing forward and trying to learn. And I think that's part of being an entrepreneur is you have to surround yourself with people who can mentor you and who have achieved where you may want to go or achieved great things you can learn from. So yeah, I'm in, you know, driven mastermind. Missed seeing you there last time, but I'll be at the next one. So yes, I try to position myself in masterminds. And then with the coaching program, there are several programs that Jamie and I invest in. So we're constantly investing in ourselves to learn so that we can be better coaches and serve all of our members better. So yeah, constantly investing in myself. And that's a good point is in the corporate world, you kind of maybe learn from your boss or the people around you. But when you're an entrepreneur, if you don't keep the momentum going and you're not investing in yourself, then you're only as good as your first day of being an entrepreneur, your first day of leaving your corporate job or whatever you were doing. Like, how are you going to learn and keep going? And and, and that was also one of the reasons once I went through my infertility and I didn't have a mentor when I was going through IVF treatments and fertility treatments. And I was crazy. Like the things that were coming out of my mouth, like I was absolutely, I don't know how my husband is still married to me and why he stayed with me. I mean, I would have killed him if he left, probably fear. But <laughs> but it was kind of that the book, I wrote it so that women going through infertility can just be like, hey, you know what? There's other women who have gone through it. And hopefully they'll read my book and be like, she was crazy. I'm not as crazy as her. Like, I can make them feel good about themselves. Like, let your crazy fly, because I'm sure I was worse. Yeah. I, it, the imposter syndrome. I'm the only one that's been through this. Like, the isolation. Like, that can lead to the depression. Like, it, there's just so many things that end up being very messy there. But being around people who say, no, that's normal. Or... Yeah, you're not the only one. Or, yeah, I remember when I went through that. Here's what happened. 
And I don't think that those things happen by chance, right? Those conversations, like, like I think somebody being invested in you and being on the journey with you is really, really valuable. And it's really interesting how you were able to like piece it together where most people, they need the whole thing, right? They need the details. They need to be with you on the journey so that they can actually give you meaningful feedback when they offer whatever the opinion is or the guidance or the counsel. And I know that's what you guys want when people are in your coaching program. Yes, it is. And it's it's nice, especially since... I exited recently and now I'm coaching people who are some are new sellers and some are just trying to hit the seven figure mark. And I totally get it because I still sell. But also it's like I just went through all this. So I feel like I'm really good at helping people find their product to sell and launch their product. Like I completely can sympathize with what they're going through and what the struggle is. And then I love problem solving because I hit so many, especially around inventory and how to dig yourself out of like little holes that happen that seem like the world's crashing down. But somebody from my perspective, it's like, yeah, oh, I did that. And, you know, you're handling your inventory problems better than I did. I, you know, I would go start crying in my car and I was like, oh, I don't have time to cry. I got to figure this out. It's funny because I, I've heard people say, hey, if you need to solve a $100,000 problem, don't take it to people who've only solved $10,000 problems. And so make sure that you're elevating and getting in the space, and the, having the conversation with the people who've already solved that. Because while it may make you feel a little bit silly when they say, oh, yeah, just do this, it actually points you in the direction you need to go instead of being stuck in that chaos and pain and fear. Some of the other doomsday things that we do when things don't go as we plan for them. Yes. And it's okay to fail. Just fail fast and, and move through it. Here's the momentum again, ladies and gentlemen. Joey, this has been phenomenal. The final question that I ask you on this podcast, and then I have one for the listeners, is who else should be on the show? Oh, and that's how you got me, because I'm sure Jamie was like, you should have Joey. <laughs> who else should be on this show? I have to answer it right now. Just like throw somebody out. I'm like, my dad, my brother. Outstanding. Outstanding. We will be talking to Joey's dad and brother soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was phenomenal. Thank you again so much for being vulnerable, authentic, and 1000% genuine. I imagine that that's the way you are in all the places that you move. And it's a breath of fresh air. A lot of people come posture, say they had everything figured out. They didn't. Blah, 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 right? Just beat your chest. You walk on water, everything works. It's just not real. And anybody who's building something knows that's not true. And so I think everybody's better as a result of you sharing with us today. And I'm eternally grateful for you doing this. It was an honor to be here. Thank you. To the listeners, if you want the sort of help that would have been helpful for Joey and all of our other guests, while you're working through your exit, there's tons and tons of people who are helping you figure out how to get the most value out of the organism of your business. But there's very few people who are actually out there supporting you as a founder who's on your way to one of the biggest exits of your life. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Until the next time, your dreams should be real. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.